Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you're with us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm really excited about this guest today. I live in Fort Myers, Florida, where you wouldn't think there are a lot of folks in performance-based religion, particularly the one I came from. However, God has done some amazing things right here in Fort Myers, sent us a number of LDS folks who have been questioning their faith. And one of the people who contacted me when our ministry began and found out that we were in Fort Myers was a gentleman by the name of Brian Culbertson. Um, So Mike and I had lunch with Brian and his wife, Karen. And so our relationship started a number of years ago. I never would have guessed that one day Brian Culbertson would step up to be a pastor and that Mike and I would have the privilege to have a pastor right here in Fort Myers, Florida, who's former LDS and is uh, very supportive of the, the kind of love that we offer to the Mormon people. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Delighted to have you. And kind of hear your story. Uh, Lynn knows you a whole lot better than I do, so I'm going to sit back and let Lynn uh, pepper you with questions. Yes, Joel's a little short on sleep time. I think he had a new <laughs> grandchild last night. Welcome. <laughs> or, uh, congratulations, Joel. Thank you. Yes. Grandchildren are amazing, and we just got number 10 born oh. healthy and safe. So yeah, and mom and dad and older sister who happens to be with us right now, um, are all doing great. So we're we're really grateful for life going on, even in our crazy COVID-19 uh, racked world. And so, and grateful for technology. By the way, just so everybody knows, um, all of us are in our respective, I don't know, living room dens, um, offices. So our social distancing is like really huge. So go so- ahead, Lynn. First question for Brian would be, tell us a little bit about your... Mormon upbringing? Were you brought up in Mormon territory or here in Florida? I was uh, not, did not grow up in Mormon territory per se. I grew up in Southern Indiana and, uh, but was born into the Mormon faith. So my uh, mom was a convert from her childhood. Uh, Her parents were not religious or spiritual, so they weren't involved in, in church in any way, shape or form, but the missionaries showed up one day at their house and my grandfather said, yeah, it doesn't sound too terrible. It'll keep you out of trouble. You know, feel free to go. And so the missionaries <laughs> would would yeah. take my mom and her sister to, you know, whatever, I forget what you call Wednesday night stuff they had going on and they would go to the services and you know, over time they, you know, just that's what they knew and, and fully ingrained in Mormonism. Uh, my mom and my dad got married early in their 20s and my dad grew up as a son of a Pentecostal preacher. 
his family oh. actually moved to southern Indiana to plant a church, and his dad was the uh, church planter and his entire family. They had 10 brothers and sisters. Their entire family um, planted that church and um, built that church. My dad's um, dad, his uh, the pastor, he passed away when my dad was five years old. They had him at 48 years old, so my dad essentially grew up without a father. He married wow. my mother, which was, you know, um, his entire family told him not to and all the bad that would come from marrying somebody who wasn't a Christian, but he didn't listen to that. And uh, I think it, it took him about four years. They had a, uh, because we grew up in a rural area, they had the older missionary couples that would come to our area to serve. So the older Mormon missionaries came and took my dad through the, the teachings of the Mormon church, the, I, whatever, the each step-by-step -step teaching. Discussions. Uh -huh. The discussions, yeah. And eventually my dad did convert to Mormonism. I was about four years old because I can remember going to his baptism. That's one of my earliest childhood memories, actually. So, wow. Um, from that point forward, we were full-on, all-out Mormons. And uh, eventually my dad became the bishop of our little brother ranch there in southern Indiana, and he even went on to be a high priest, I believe they call it, and, and I'm sure serves in still some capacity in the church today. I have a younger brother who's a bishop. Both of my younger brothers serve missions in the mission field, and so um, I come from a full Mormon, complete family. Wow, and so your and parents yet. continue to be LDS today then? My parents and my brothers both um, okay. all continue, yes. I'm the only black sheep of the family. So what happened to you, Brian? Well, <laughs> uh, against my parents' wishes, they said, you know, you should, I was young for my grade, so I had time between graduating high school and going to serve in the mission field. So I said, well, I'm going to go to college for a year, and then I'll go do my missionary thing. Uh, at the time, I was dating a young lady. She was my high school sweetheart, and she was not Mormon. She was Christian. And I said, you know, hey, I'm going to do this college thing for a year, but after that, I'm going to go do my, my Mormon obligation, my two-year mission. That's what God tells us to do. That's what I'm going to do. I don't think I said God. I probably used the word Heavenly Father back then, but I said, that's what our Heavenly Father wants us to do, and so I'm going to serve. And she said, well, if you do that, just so you know, I won't be waiting here when you get home. And so that kind of put the pause on things and made me have to think about it. But, you know, I'm like, oh, but I'm, I'm still, you know, serving. It's what we're called to do. Um, I'll lose my whatever if I don't do that. So I need to go do it. But after a year in college and, you know, reading, um, I guess, getting outside of my small town mindset and actually being exposed to um, other religions and exposed to philosophy. I happen to be a pre-med major. So I'm in all these biology classes, which made me question everything from creation to evolution on down the road. And so um, over the course of that year, um, not only did I decide not to go on a mission, but I said all organized religion is, is false and fake and, and just a coping mechanism for death for simple minded people. Wow. OK. <laughs> and OK, so you were in that mindset for how long? Uh, probably a decade. Uh, and I, I, from the time I was 18, 19 years old until I was in my um, late 20s, that's where my head was, is that, you know, religion Perhaps there is a higher power because it is tough to look at the world around you and just say, you know, there's just nothing else beyond what we see. Um, but uh, I remember a religion class I took in college. It was called, uh, I think, Religions of the World or something like that. We read a book called uh, Many Mansions, and it was essentially a book that said, you know, there are many pathways to whatever divine being there is. And you, you know, study Buddhism and Hinduism and, you know, Christianity and, you know, Islam and, and the whole bit. So I said, you know, there seems to be some sort of something higher. Um, so I guess you'd call me agnostic or whatever, but I surely wasn't involved in any religion. In fact, I, um, you know, took every opportunity I, I had to poke fun of anybody in organized religion. 
So can wow. you explain for me how that value system like plays out in everyday life? As far as that value kind system at that point in time? Yeah, like kind of yeah. like a before and after, how, <laughs> how you know, because I think you're going to eventually tell us yeah. how Christ made things different. Uh, well, you know, I guess I like to say um, there are some benefits to a Mormon upbringing. And so I didn't ever really lose that kind of morality, you know, sense of right and wrong, you know, work hard. So all of those I mean, that, those are your defining years of life, your, your, you know, young years and your high school years. And so, you know, growing up, I, it was, you know, hard work ethic. And so I valued hard work. It was um, give it everything you got, put your shoulder to the wheel, you know, that that whole sort of thing. Yep, so absolutely. so I did have a very strong work ethic and, and that benefited me tremendously in my business life. I mean, I, I would work 12, 15 hour days and not think a second thing of it because I'm just working hard instead of working for the Lord. I was working for myself, but I did have a very strong work ethic and I did you know have decent values because again that carried over I didn't just all of a sudden one day say oh you know I don't believe in in the Mormon God anymore or the Mormon faith so now I'm gonna you know murder people and you know spend my time in strip clubs you know it, it didn't become that it was you know I was still trying to be a, a quote-unquote good person I guess through that time um, but my, my main focus was work and you know building wealth and um, a career and success and, uh, you know, all the stuff that a, a poor kid from a small town America dreamed of having. Yeah. So did that Christian girl um, decide she could marry an agnostic man? Well, because she followed me down that same path. Um, you know, she, I, I think she held on to her, her Christian faith, but it was essentially it's there, but not being practiced like many Christians today. Oh, I'm Christian, but you know, they haven't been to church in, you know, three decades. So it was kind of that. We just didn't discuss it a whole lot. We didn't talk about faith or religion. We did early on when she was a strong Christian and I was a quote unquote strong Mormon. We debated and, and had some really deep, hard conversations. And I think once we got past that, we just decided not to talk about it. It was kind of unspoken. Let's let's not talk about any of that anymore. So we didn't. So kids came along. So then kids came along. We were married. You know, we did the uh, let's let's be married for a while. Let's let's work our tails off and, and let's be financially ready to have children. I know that's probably the wrong thing to do because you're never financially ready. But but that was our thought process. So we didn't have kids until our late 20s. Uh, and then, yeah, that happened. And, you know, I've got a uh, at the time I remember she was a month old. Uh, my wife went back to work. She had a C-section She on a Friday, and she was back to work in the office on Monday. That's kind of our work Whoa, ethic at that wow. point in time. Yeah, <laughs> we were crazy. Uh, and then we got to the point where we're like, you know, she's three months old, and we're dropping her off at the daycare for eight, ten hours a day, and it just felt wrong. Uh, and I didn't know why it felt wrong, but I'm like, this, this kind of isn't what we want to do as parents. And so we, um, frankly, we just reevaluated life and said, we're working too hard. We're working too much. This is going to kill us if we keep down this path. Life isn't about money. And uh, so we actually sold everything we had, uh, grabbed our daughter, and we moved to Florida because we hated cold weather. And uh, we liked sunshine and beaches and moved as far south as we could afford to move. Wow. So we stopped in Fort Myers. We didn't make it to Naples because we couldn't afford to move there. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody that I know anyway. Yeah. Wow. So, so at this point, you both have pretty strong religious backgrounds that you've kind of backed away from. Um, agnostic, not anti-God. 
So where does God like step back in and um, start pursuing you guys again? So we get down here to Florida and uh, it's weird. I mean, we literally picked up and moved to a place where we knew absolutely no one simply because we liked the weather. Uh, we worked in real estate at the time and knew this was a good real estate market. So we, we came down here and didn't know a single soul. My wife, she still held on to her Christian faith. And I think there came a point after our daughter was born where she realized the mistake she made in marrying me. And it wasn't that I was a bad guy or doing anything wrong. We had a great marriage, but it was the mistake of, oh my gosh, I have a child who's now going to be raised in a non-Christian home and may never know Jesus. And I think that realization, you know, put a little more emphasis for her of like, we need to, we need to talk about this and we need to maybe think about this. And so she said, Hey, we don't know anyone down here. Why don't we, you know, let's go to a church. At least we'll meet some people and they got free childcare because we're not getting a break ever from this kid. And so she, she drug me to church. I would come in late and uh, we would sit on the back row. We'd skip all that handshaking and hugging time. I didn't want to do any of that. We'd come in late. <laughs> I, I, I hated the music and uh, I would listen to the message. And it just so happened that the church we went to, the messages were... Um, I guess seeker sensitive would be the word that people use today, but they were those, you know, just kind of general messages. And he would talk about topics that were you know, relative to me about, you know, how to deal with success and what, what is the proper definition of success? And, you know, um, what is the, what is grace? And, you know, just these really kind of basic messages, but they were the messages that I needed to hear. And I didn't like show up month number three and say, Oh my gosh, praise the Lord, hands in the air, run down the aisle, and, you know, pray at the altar. Um, <laughs> it, it was a year and a half to two, year process of, of me just kind of coming and listening and, you know, kind of soaking it in. Uh, in fact, I, some weeks I would come, my wife decided she was going to get involved in the church. So she started volunteering in children's ministry and working. And so she would do that. I would drop off my daughter. I would actually leave some weeks and go hang out at Starbucks and, you know, while she did the church thing and then come back. So, you know, it, it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't immediate. Um, but I just kept coming back for some reason. And my wife and I did start to have a few um, discussions. Again, we're both conflict avoiders, so it was tough to begin having those discussions. <laughs> but we started having those discussions and, you know, they weren't super deep. But, you know, I still argued, even though I didn't believe Mormonism um, per se, I hadn't let go of it either. And so if we would have religious discussions, I would still argue the Mormon point of view. Because, again, you grow up in something. Those first 18 years of life are so... Um, defining that that was still what I knew. It's still today. I'm a 45 years old. Mormonism, I still probably know inside and out better than I do Christianity. And I'm a pastor. That's just because, you know, I grew up in that church going to seminary every day and having it pounded down my throat. So I know that yeah. religion better than I do my own religion, even still today, most likely. And probably better than most Mormons do, too. Um, well, so I, I think Joel and I find it to be real common that folks who go agnostic after Mormonism, right, will still defend it to the tooth. Right. So until exactly. you yep. find mm -hmm. something else that kind of replaces it, something mm -hmm. that now is your value system, now is your truth, that is right. all you know. And you use it to argue yeah. because you just want to show them that they are wrong. So I'll use what I have over here to show you that there's a, a, an opposite point of view than what you have that I can argue and debate just as well as you can argue and debate your point of view. Yeah, that doesn't work, does it? <laughs> well, it doesn't doesn't make for a, a super non-conflictive marriage if you know if you're going at it that way. But if you guys are both conflict avoiders, then like right, you said, there wasn't right. a lot of that right that heavy pushback. So right. Um, 
So where so where did things start turning corner? Like I said, year and a half process. You're you know you're hearing about grace. You're hearing um, from the word. The word has a way of uh, yes. getting into your heart, getting into your soul, yeah. getting into your head. So what kind of turned it around for you, or what? There's not, you know, that there is a defining point, and I'll, I'll kind of move to that. But I'll tell you, it also helped that, you know, now we're talking, it's the, you know, early 2000s, and there's this beautiful thing called Google and the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. And so as I began to truly um, process it and, and start to think about it, and, you know, obviously I know after the fact that it was God, you know, softening my heart and, and Jesus stepping into my life and all of that. But at the time I just thought, well, I'm going to, I'm an, a logical, analytical, smart person. I'm going to research this and, and let me find out for myself. And so thankfully Google was there. And instead of, you know, you can Google, you know, leaving the Mormon church or Mormonism because it was still, you know, as much as, um, you know, as hard as it was to, to believe Christianity, it was hard for me to let go of Mormonism. And I know Lynn, you right. can attest to that too. It's something you believe and, and yeah. they tell you, you know, the only people in outer darkness are the ex-Mormons essentially. So it, it's still a hard thing to, to let go of. And so I said, well, let me, let me really research this. And, you know, you Google it and it pulls up the the Mormon hater sites, I say, and I'm like, yeah, but this is all propaganda. It's just a bunch of Christians trying to tear you away from Mormonism, or this is just a bunch of, you know, jaded Mormons because they got a divorce and they got kicked out of the church or whatever. So, you know, I read all that and I said, well, that's not good. But, you know, the, the nice thing with Google is you could actually find, oh, church, articles or, or things written by Brigham Young and the, you know, I forget the, the name, the Juris, whatever stuff. The journal of Discourses. There yeah. you go. Journal of Discourses. Like journal and I'm discourse. like, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I never read this. And this is, I mean, the church does not deny that this is, you know, church literature. And so I start reading this stuff and you know, you're like, okay, polygamy. Well, they did it and, and God's implemented it. And then all of a sudden the government says you have to get rid of it. And magically God says you don't have to have it. Or if it's, you know, racism and, and it's, you know, blacks not being able to partake of the sacraments and all of a sudden, you know, society changes and God all of a sudden amazingly says, oh, well, that goes away now. And so it, it was just starting to research that and saying, you know, the scrubbed version of the religion that I grew up in in the 80s and 90s versus where the religion started. If this is supposed to be the one true restored church, why is it a constantly evolving church? And so that piece of it allowed me to actually let go finally of my faith, you know, of whatever I still held on to from Mormonism. The research part of it allowed me to finally just say, all right, I can say that I have enough faith to let go of what I used to believe. And so that was a big part of this whole process of, of really, truly, finally letting go. And then as I'm mm-hmm. continuing to go to church and continuing to listen to um, this pastor speak, and, and I think we even, my wife drugged me to a small group. I'd never heard of such a thing. The first time I went, <laughs> and I'm, I am an yeah. introvert. I talk a lot, but I'm introvert at heart. And so uh, I didn't want to go to this small group thing. I actually drank a, a vodka and cranberry before we went just to loosen me up and to be able to tolerate, you know, these people that I had to go sit with. Share, be authentic, open up your soul. Yeah, all that stuff. And I hated every minute of it. But, you know, I I started to get ingrained a little bit into the Christian culture. Still not a believer. Finally, um, the church announces uh, we're going to do a mission trip. I'd never heard of that before. We're going to do a mission trip to Africa. Uh, I'm like, well, that sounds cool. Survivor had just filmed a season in Africa, and it looked pretty awesome. It was the Maasai Mara Preserve, and that's where they were going. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that, man. I I don't know about this God-Jesus stuff, but that sounds cool. At the time, I was still a smoker i'm like how do i not smoke when we go into you know i still thought that was all part of religion is you know you can't do this stuff and do this and don't do that and so finally i I get the patches so i can deal with my smoking habit and i go on this this mission trip to africa and 
you know, this might sound cliche and cheesy, but it was that two week period of time where I just, I had never really been outside of the United States other than a cruise. And so to be somewhere where I was so outside of my element that I didn't have, you know, my phone to constantly be connected to. I didn't have the love and support of anybody I knew. It was a whole group of strangers that I went with. And there was something about being so outside of my element that I think that's the point that God used to really soften my heart and Jesus to walk into my life. And so, you know, I'll tell yeah. the story, but but essentially we were going on a Sunday morning to worship with a church in the Masai Mara Preserve. It was like a two and a half hour trek out across these bumpy, dirty roads. My guts felt like they'd been shaken out of me. And we get to this church and it's a little barn out in the middle of just nowhere. And uh, there's we show up and, you know, church there it lasts for like six hours and, and there's no start time or, or end <laughs> <Yes>. time. <laughs> yep. And so we, we roll up into this church and, you know, we sit in the, the benches or whatever that are there and, and they're singing and they're praising. And, you know, I've been experiencing that whole week that these people have nothing. They depend on, you know, whatever for their food. It's, they don't depend on themselves. They're depending on, I guess, God to provide for them. And then I see these people worshiping. And, and Lynn will tell you, and any Mormon that, that's left the faith will tell you, there's not a lot of worship in the Mormon faith. They might say that word from time to time. But if you can become like God, then what point is there to worship somebody that you can become like? And so for the first time in my life, it, it just you know, I had that moment where everything clicked. I said, wow, this is this is giving praise to something that is beyond you, above you, and acknowledging just how little you are and how big that thing is. Mm -hmm. And it was it was during that I guess that church service. And then that night we actually had a little devotional together. And I remember the guy leading it. Don't remember his name, but we were singing some songs and he, he just said, you know, um, I want you to put your hands over your mouth and just let go of anything you need to let go of. And I don't even remember what I spoke, but I remember doing that motion and just letting go of everything. And from that point on, I remember I found a little internet cafe there in Africa, took my life into my own hands just to make my way down to that cafe. But I walked into it and you know pulled up email, Yahoo email or whatever. And I sent my wife an email. I said, having an amazing week. I think I believe this God thing now. Oh. And from there, it <laughs> kind of grew. Yeah. Wow. So, so amazing. So here's the question I wanted to ask you, Brian. So did the leaders of this mission team trip know that you weren't a believer did they they did had you okay yeah. no i was i was honest you know I, again i i was brought up morally strong mentally straight all that stuff so you know i i was honest saying i'm i'm not you know a christian I, i'm just you know exploring christianity so you know you're not expecting me to pray or lead a bible study or anything on this and they're like oh no 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 this will be just as good for you as it is for us so they they went in fully knowing uh, and i have them. man really the kind to, of an that's the way to do it <laughs> an interesting an interesting interesting sidebar is there was a couple, uh, they're in their late fifties now, um, on that trip and they had, um, I guess had the Mormon missionaries come teach them in their home, you know, many years ago. And, and they had um, knew a lot about the Mormon church and he used to pastor a church. And so they knew a lot and they kind of took me under their wing on this trip and, uh, you know, just made sure I was taken care of and answered any questions I have. Just, just the sweetest couple ever. Well, long story short, they're now members of the church that I pastor, which is just a weird full circle <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. Well, we're at almost time here for this episode, and there's obviously quite a bit more to your story because we haven't even gotten to your growth and how you got moved from coming to know the Lord on a mission trip to becoming a pastor. So, Brian, can we invite you back for a part two and hear the rest of your story? 
Uh, absolutely. Cool. Um, Lynn, any follow-up comments you want to make in the bit that we've got left here? This is amazing. Just, <laughs> I suppose um, thinking about our audience, um, it wasn't the people on that trip who did something to manipulate Brian to know God, but right. God who used them and used this trip, right? And, and used that church service to stir something deep within him. The God that we know in biblical faith is personal. And yes. I, I know that's hard to describe sometimes, but he takes each person where they are. He understands your heart your mind and he um, gives you experiences and uses members of the body of Christ um, that you might come to know him. And for each person, that's very different. Yeah. And even to use um, people from the Maasai Mara tribe, which I've been in Kenya. And so I've been in those very rural, um, amazing worship services and yeah, to see people who are just wholeheartedly in love with God, surrendered before him, worshiping him, God knows what our hearts need. And I guess if I had anything to our listening audience, it'd be, you know, if you're seeking God, if you want, if you're saying, I'm not so sure I've got this super personal connection with God, if you will open yourself up to him and you will ask him to make himself real and show up personally, uh, Lynn and I and Brian will all guarantee you he will do that. Now, we don't know how he's going to do it, but he will, because more than anything else, that's what he wants to do, is show up personally uh, in the lives of people. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he becomes your master, your protector, your provider. Your savior. And Jesus is all you need. Amen. Well, hey, thanks again, Brian. We'll look forward to connecting with you uh, next time. And so until then, thanks for being with us. Thank Grace you. and peace. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.